we go. We'll go ahead and get rid of the obvious, which is I know how good I look. <laughs> you don't have to say anything. I'm a dandy. I certainly am. So here's what's going on. You may not know the following, which is it's unfashionable to wear seersucker after Labor Day. Well, tomorrow is Labor Day, and so our small group, the group, the greatest small group in the history of small groups, meets on Thursday morning at 7 a.m. at Wright's Gourmet, and we decided a few of us go to informally to sport seersucker. Join us next year. There is, however, I didn't know this, but there is a woman in the house wearing seersucker dress. How about that? So Shamus Warren, who also is a dandy, his wife Lauren, who will be up here later helping us serve communion, she's wearing a white seersucker dress. And you need to know a seersucker and white are out after tomorrow. Okay? Oh, yes, they are. If you're from Kentucky, they are. So anyhow, we've got, we've I hope you can see online. I don't have the proper shoes on because I don't have penny loafers. But anyway, I'm close right here. And I know I look good. And this, this is a Brooks Brothers suit. And so if you don't know anything, then that doesn't mean anything to you. But if you know something, that means something to you now, doesn't it? Yeah, that's what I'm trying to say. Oh, where's my stuff? It's right here. So now that we have that done, we're in a series. <laughs> we're in a sermon series. And, and McLean just, I was dreading having to get up and talk this morning because she crushed it last week and I have to follow her. But here we go. I'm going to give them the best shot. We're talking about a series called One at a Time. And there's a subtitle to that. They've got One at a Time colon. You ready? The unexpected way that God wants to use you to change the world. One at a time, colon, the unexpected way that God wants to use you to change the world. So a couple of ground points. Don't think that God doesn't want to use you. God wants to use every single one of us. Nobody doesn't play. There are no spectators. There's nobody on the bench. We're all in the game. Every one of us has a place to play. And God wants to use you. And what we learned last week, and here it is illustrated with this camera, one of the things that God does, we see it in Jesus. This woman who's been hurting, chronic illness, 12 years, broke, lonely, desperate. Jesus is in a crowd, but he zooms in on her, and he listens to her. He touches her, and he asks her her story, and he listens in a crowd with a lot already to do, a very, very active man, but he stops, pays careful attention to her, touches her, heals her, restore her after hearing her entire story. He zoomed in on her. Shameless Commerce Division, here's, we got seven of the books left. Buy it. If we'll get more, we're doing this about six or eight weeks. It's called One at a Time. Subtitle, of course, The Unexpected Way God Wants to Use You to Change the World. And you want to change the world. You do. And you're going to start changing it by coming and buying this book. Ten bucks. Ten bucks over here in the basket or ten bucks with the Venmo. And if, you, if we don't have one here and you want me to order it for you, I'll get, I mean, we'll get more if we sell out today. We're going to sell out today. You're going to want them. Everybody in the room wants a book. So fight, throw elbows to get up here front. All right, where was I? Jesus is relational. He's fiercely present. That's how he does it. Unabashedly, 
unapologetically, endlessly, never-endingly, teleologically. You can look that one up. It still it works. Jesus is relational. He zooms in on us one at a time. And here's what the point of zooming in. You and I, if we're going to be on Jesus' mission, and you want to be on his mission, I've already told you, you're on it. You have to find your place where you play. You're on his mission. We can't divorce Jesus' method from his mission and expect to achieve his results. You, there is no life hack for relationship. We just you get in and you just do it. And you love. Jesus is building a family of people who love each other. We've seen that powerfully illustrated already this morning. You are a player. I'm a player. And we can play when we use Jesus' method, which is to zoom in on other people one at a time and hear their story and they hear ours. That's a part of what we learn. And guess what happens? Real relationships like that result in real transformation. That woman that Jesus sat with, she's a different woman now. We've seen families already struggling this morning. There are other families in the room with other struggles. And we're going to do this together, and we're going to zoom in. And yes, you have a lot to do, but we're going to use Jesus' relational, foundational, never-endingly, unabashedly, unapologetically relational way of going about it. We're going to zoom in on loving each other really well. It's not easy, but it's the only way. It's what a church family is. It's a family, and family does life together. Well, that was last week. And you didn't have to be here last week. That's not my point. I just had fun reviewing what you did, McLean. I'm looking down at her for you who are on online. <clears throat> this week, there's a little bit of a surprise. This week, we're, what we're going to say is understanding that we Zoom, and we're saying, okay, Fitz is making the point. I'm supposed to be a player. I'm in the game. What do I do? What do I do? What do I do? And here's the twist. Jesus is going to work on you and me one at a time. He's going to work in us before he works through us. In, then, through. I'll say that again. In, then, through. You can put, right, if you're taking notes, you can write down the word in, I-N, then you underline it or put it in italics. I don't, I don't know how to do that with handwriting. In, then, and then through, underline that. Jesus is going to work in us, and then he's going to work through us. So we want to go to him and say, what do I do, what do I do, what do I do? And he's going to say, tap the brakes. You, I, I'll get you out there on the field, but i got stuff I want to do inside you. That's what we want to do first. So here's how we're going to see it. We're in, a, we're in effect sort of running through, and run is the word you need to be aware of. We're running through the first chapter of the Gospel of Mark. And I'm going to tell you the first chapter of the Gospel of Mark mostly, because that's, that's, we don't have time to read all the way through it. But let's get started with some verses. Here is Jesus getting launched by God the Father. Are you ready? This is Mark chapter 1, verses 9 through 13. He's a grown man. He's about 30 years old. And this is the launch day, the IPO, the stock launch. He's getting ready. You ready? Here we go. At that time, Jesus came from Nazareth in Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan. That's probably 75 miles south and to the, to the west, by John in the Jordan. Just as Jesus was coming up out of the water, he saw heaven being torn open 
and the Spirit, that is God the Spirit, descending on him like a dove. This is a big moment. You with me? Okay, and this is the, the rest of what happens then. And a voice, the voice of God the Father from heaven, you are my son whom I love. With you I am well pleased. So Mark has a habit of being brief, and here he is brief, but this is, this is the launch. This is Jesus getting sent out to start what will be a three-year public ministry, we could call it. He's 30 years old. He's learned to be a general contractor, a mason, a stonemason, and a carpenter. But now he's getting launched into his mission and ministry of healing and bringing about the work of God. And now what happens next, and Mark is going to race us now out. Watch, look at this. At once the Spirit sent him out into the wilderness, and he was in the wilderness 40 days being tempted by Satan, and he was with the wild animals, and the angels attended him. He goes into the wilderness, this important Greek word, eremos. He's led out into the eremos, and he's in the eremos, how long? 40 days. Okay, listen to what I'm saying. Jesus, launched by God, the very first thing that happens to him is he goes out into the wilderness to pray, not from weakness, but from strength, to steal himself around his mission and ministry. Not only what he's going to do, but how he's going to do it. And he's going to do it, zoom lens, one life at a time. No tricks. No nothing. He knows he's also going to suffer and die. And he steals himself to the commitment, I'm going to do this this way, no other way. The temptation would be to try to trick us or wow us or overwhelm us. No, that's not how he's going to go about it. So immediately else happens. Now, I'm going to tell you the story of the next two episodes in the Gospel of Mark. You ready? Here we go. Right after that, what happens is he moves those 75 miles and he makes his way back up towards Nazareth and towards the Sea of Galilee. Immediately, he starts giving his sermon, which is, the time has come. God's time has come. The kingdom of God has arrived in my person. Then he says to people, repent. That is, change your mind. Live a new life and believe this good news. That's the executive summary of his speech. And he gives it over and over and over again as he's sort of running. 75-mile run, a double marathon. He's running back from the southwest up to the Sea of Galilee. Okay, And then immediately after that, he goes into leadership recruitment. And he picks up Andrew and Peter and James and John, the first four of his twelve. And immediately after that, he goes into the synagogue. He's now in the city Capernaum, Capernaum. We were there this summer, those of us who went to Israel. He goes into there, and this is what he does in there. He starts teaching them, and he wows them. He knocks their socks off with the quality of what he did. That's what he does. He blows them away. They're going, whoa, we've never heard anybody talk like this. Wow. It blows them away. And then immediately, this poor, broken, demon-possessed man stumbles into the synagogue. And Jesus heals him. And then immediately, word spread like wildfire. And people were coming to Capernaum from all over the place. <laughs> He's like that. I'm like that. I'm just reading it. Okay, and, and then immediately he leaves the synagogue. It's only about, I'd say, it's a full lob wedge. That's a 60-degree wedge for those of you that play golf it's a, or don't play golf. And you can hit it 75 or 80 yards. He is from the synagogue to Peter's house, immediately goes to Peter's house from wowing them and knocking their socks off and healing this demon-possessed guy because in Peter's house is Peter's mother-in-law, and she has a death, uh, an, a, a fatal illness and a fever. He touches her. 
Fever leaves her. She gets up. She's healed. She's better. And immediately after that, as the sun is setting, throngs show up, and there are people who are hurting and broken and estranged and irreconciled and possessed with demons. He's out all night healing them. Finally, sometime, midnight, he gets to go to sleep. What would I do after a day like that? <laughs> I'm worn out just telling you. This is what I'd do. You ready? <clears throat> I'd set my alarm for the next morning for 7.50 a.m. Because at 8 o'clock, right across the street from the water tower at H.B. Plant High School, is my favorite breakfast place called Gray's, G-R-A-Z-E. And I'd go to Gray's at 8 o'clock when the doors open, and the woman in there whose name I've just now forgotten would welcome me, and she'd have the coffee ready, and I would have the following. Two eggs scrambled, two sausage patties, cheese grits. And because it was such a hard day yesterday, you know what I'd do? Reward myself with tots. <laughs> That's what I'm talking about. That's what I'm talking about. Tots. And they're good and crispy in there. They're not soggy. So there's a place to go in South Tampa to get tots if you want crispy tots. I don't know about soggy ones. I ain't eating soggy ones. But you go to Gray's and you'll get crispy tots. That's what I would do had I had the kind of day like Jesus had. But not Jesus. Here's what he did. Mark chapter 1, verse 35. Look carefully. In and then through. Very early in the morning, way earlier than 7.50, while it was still dark, and it actually says in the Greek text, very dark, Jesus got up, left the house, went off to a solitary place, an eremos. It's the same Greek word in verses 12 and 13 that we read that says he was led into the eremos by the Spirit and then was in the eremos 40 days. Eremos, Eremos, Eremos. It's taken three times in 35 verses we've seen the word Eremos. Jesus goes out into a solitary place. Eremos could mean desert. It could mean wilderness. It can mean solitary. It can mean quiet. Jesus has spent, remember, 40 days in the Eremos praying. And he's got a couple of rough days and he's back out again in then through Jesus knows that he must he must do the good work of at, at paying attention to God his heavenly father now we're into the trinity and fully human fully divine I get all that we, we're not going to stop and talk about trinity father son and spirit we're not going to stop and talk about the incarnation fully human and fully divine but those are fantastic beautiful mysteries that we affirm we don't understand them completely God the Father God the Son God the Spirit why does Jesus who is God have to pray because he's fully human but he's also fully divine and you what you do is you don't fully understand that but you trust it you let yourself believe it so there he is showing us how to live and very early in the morning having had an unbelievable day he skips the cheese grits and the tots he skips what might be the first reaction. Maybe it would be to stay out even later for you and to have a beer and watch Netflix or something. I don't know what it is. But that's not what Jesus does. 
So there's nothing wrong with Netflix and beer. That's not my point. My point is, is that going to get us where we, God wants to get us? Because remember, one at a time, you and I have been made by God to make a difference in the world. And we can't get there if we don't get, let God work in us. We won't, we, God won't be able to work through us. That's what Jesus is trying to show us. We, we have people. We have pressure. We have difficulty. We listed several of them this morning. And Sarah is over here, Sally, and she's over here, and her mom and her dad both have cancer. It's just, there's no words. There are no words. And, and, and she's here. God bless you for being here because you, you're doing everything you know doing. We're holding on with you. That's what we're doing, and you know that. And her, her mom and dad may be watching right now. There are folks in the life of this family with unbelievably challenging personal relationship problems in marriage. There's all kinds of stuff. And so you got that going on. And you got the pressure. And you got your kids. And you got the schedule. And you got school starting. You got sports. And you got all this stuff that's on top of us. And the question is not so much, God, what do you want, what do you want me to do? The question that we're being asked is, can I say to God, God, what do you want to do in me? And let's get me moving in the direction in here so then I can go and do what you want to do. I need to be fit in here. That's the secret sauce. It's the secret sauce. In, then through. Eremos, secret sauce. We're getting a little flavor of it here at the table because Jesus is really truly present fiercely present when we gather together around this table when we gather as a family when we sing but he's fiercely present right here in these elements we believe that in faith he's present though the, this is regular stuff so we're going to get a little eremos when we take the bread and the cup but practicing Eremos is allowing ourselves to pay attention to God and pay attention to what's inside so that God can do things. Practicing Eremos is a way to be reminded, to be, re, to be repurposed. So the, the part of this I was looking forward to as much as anything I'm going to do right now. I'm going to tell you what happens to me in my Eremos. I've said this before, it's just important for us to know that all of us are working towards the discipline of quiet, private, solitary. Reading scripture, praying, hearing from God, shutting up. And I have, I have been, I do this. I do this. I got caught yesterday doing it. <laughs> It was great. It's a couple who are not here now. I won't say their names, but I was on Saturdays. I give. I let myself listen to Christian music, and I go to Starbucks, and I get an hour and a half of Eremos, and I, and no one knows what I'm doing, but I'm reading all the stuff I read, and I'm praying everything else, and I'm, it's cheating a little bit, right? Because I've got music going in my ears. But hey, one day out of seven, I'm listening to music. That's way better than it used to be. I used to listen every day. So I'm in. I'm in Starbucks. I'm coming out. I hear my name. I turn. There's the couple, and. I told them I'm doing my Eremos because I knew they'd understand. And they said something nice to me about maybe that's why my sermons are okay. <laughs> In my Eremos, here's what happens to me. Because I can say you get reminded or you get repurposed, and that's too conceptual. 
This is, con- this, is, this is specific. This is the stuff I just started writing. What happens to me when I'm sitting in my Eremos, when I'm praying and listening to Scripture and thinking about people and going to my ceaseless lap and praying for people, whatever, all the stuff that I do. Here's what's going on inside of me. I am moved. I could even say transformed. God, God moves me from angry and defensive to calm, calmer, and receptive. That happens to me because I got stuff going on with relationships, just like you do. Angry and defensive to calm and receptive. That's one of the things that happens pretty regularly. I might even have woken up in the middle of the night thinking about one of them, and then then with a few hours later. I find myself being moved from anxiety, which I I come by kind of naturally, to gratitude, thankfulness, because there's so much. And I carry a list, my phone's over there, of things for which I'm, people for which I'm grateful. I find myself, and these are two of Kathy's faves, you ready? I find myself moving from being vague and lacking commitment. <laughs> and when I, when I was, was telling her what I was going to do, she said, those are two of my faves. <laughs> no. I'm from vague and lacking commitment to more concrete, more specific. I find myself moving from resentfulness to being willing to take the risk to work it out in the relationship. I find myself sometimes scared to death about money. And what happens is I I feel myself being moved to trusting God with generosity. I find myself, this one kind of hard to get into words. It's me always thinking about me. (laughs) I, I don't know what the right way to say it is, but always thinking about me. I don't even know that's what I do. It's my first move. It's my default, me. And what I find myself moving towards is how can I invest in someone else? relationally and to use the theme word one at a time that's that's the kind of stuff that i find happening to me when i'm alone and quiet in my eremos in and through god wants to work in me so that god can work through me God wants to work in you because God definitely wants to work through you. And you and I must need Eremos if it was good enough for Jesus. It's got to be good enough for us. I'll fight for it. I'm not going to let you take it away from me. I'm going to make it happen. That's, That's where I have come. That's a transformation of the inside of me from resisting being alone and private with God to fighting for more time. I know it's hard. Some, I, my, I have a 19, we have a 19-month-old grandson. His name is Walker. He's awesome. He has the biggest smile on his face, but he's 19 months old, and he is a Tasmanian devil perpetual motion machine. If I am his mother or father, I ain't got no time for no Aramox. <laughs> so I don't know how you do it if you're parents and you've got little kids running around like that, but you can do it. Folks with kids that age, talk to each other about it. 
in your life groups, in your conversations in the hallway here? How am I making it happen? Do not tell me you don't have time. Don't tell me that. You have time. You can make time. It's worth it. Cut off, don't watch the next episode of Suits on Netflix and go to bed, and then, you, and then you're not going to be exhausted. Exhaustion is the enemy of Eremos. Philippians, the great Apostle Paul. Philippians chapter 2, verse 13. This is a Fitz translation. You ready? This is what Paul says. In, then through. For it is God who works in you, wanting, wishing, desiring, and working so that you can do his good pleasure. Philippians 2.13. Look it up. One at a time. And the surprise today is, yes, we, we use Jesus' methods, which are endlessly fundamentally relational. We zoom in and we take time to get to know each other's stories. And we listen to people. But we also must have God at work inside of us. Because God, you're going to run out of gas. You can't do this on your own. You will run out of steam. I will run out of steam if I try to run my life, my spiritual life, on anything other than God's presence inside of me. And, and Paul says it. It is God who's working in you. The Holy Spirit, sometimes we say that. The Holy Spirit is at work inside of you and in me, making us fit in us so that through us we can get something done. The Holy Spirit energizes you so you can get out on the field and play. Baxter Smith, I have his permission to tell you this story. Baxter called, uh, texted me. He was in California visiting his daughter and his son-in-law and his grandson. And on Sunday morning, the 20th of August, two weeks ago, Kathy finished her sermon. We all went over here and wrote prayers and such like that on the walls over there. A lot of it's been covered with drywall, by the way. Those, they're getting after I don't know if y'all knew this. We're building a new building over here. So Baxter sent me a note saying, Fitz, would you write this, would you write this for me? Where did my card go, Baxter? Here it is. I'm sorry, I'm fumbling around. There it is. I found it. Baxter carries around this card. You can maybe see it online in the room. It's the emoji of ten fingers. And it's the Baxter Smith family spiritual practice. When they greet each other, when they say hello and they say goodbye, they say the words ten fingers. And what they're doing is they're pointing to Paul's two chapters later. I just, I just gave you Philippians chapter 2, verse 13. This is Philipp Philippians chapter 4, verse 13. Here it is. You count the words. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Ten fingers. So I went over there. Oh, I've got to give it to you in Greek. You ready in Greek? Baxter doesn't like this. And I say this to myself all the time when I wake up at night and I'm anxious. Panta iskuo into endunamunti me. Six words. It's not hard. It's, it's just words. I memorized them. You can memorize ten words. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. He wanted me to write it on the stage because he and Susan, Susan died on April 25th, 2020 in the midst of COVID. She got sick, bam, that fast, and it was tragic. And so this is part of Susan and Baxter keeping it moving. He carries this card around with him so that he can encourage people, inviting them into what it would mean to be a follower of Jesus.
I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me in, then through. So I wrote that over there, and I hope I did it right for you, Baxter. I don't think they've covered it up. You can go edit and draw through it and write it over again if you want to. But it's, it's right over there, and I, I wrote in Greek, preach the gospel. And on the other side, you'll see funny letters. Friends, the table, here it is in front of us. This is an Eremos moment for you. Eremos. And this is some housekeeping. The first thing I'm going to do is ask you to be very very quiet. Now, we're a real active, we like to talk, and you've gotten out of control during communion. I'm just telling you right now. <laughs> Here's what you need to do, and some of you are worst offenders I could ever believe, but anyhow, this is what I'm asking you to do. Just please, total silence, no talking, and you're going to, from the back forward, the ushers are going to bring you forward, and here's what's going to happen. You're going to hear words like this. You're going to hear the body of Jesus the guarantee of his presence. And don't forget the word I used earlier, fiercely present. The body of Jesus, the guarantee of his presence. The blood of Jesus, the certainty of his love. The body of Jesus, the guarantee of his presence. The blood of Jesus, the certainty of his love. In, then through. So you're going to practice Aramis. If you're tempted to talk, do this instead. Get your Bible out. And read Mark chapter 1. I raced us through it. Bam, 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 bam. But we got to verse 35 where he was worn out in one day and he had to go be alone with God again. Be alone right now, quietly. Go to your Aramos. The band is going to just put a little padding in here. Just a little quiet music. Just instruments. But you are going to come to this table. And this is the body of Jesus, this is the blood of Jesus. He's taking up residence inside you, transforming you in Jesus. Then you can be used by Jesus, in, then, through. Come now, feed, allow him to take up residence and transform you. He's really here. Danielle and Lauren are going to come and join Kathy and me to serve.